Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Here's another one. Three in one. The Trinity. Oh, I've got that down, Pastor Mark. Right. No, but we believe it because the Bible, what? Teaches it. So we see through a glass, what? Darkly. But one day, face to face, it'll all be revealed. We'll get it. We'll have an understanding that we can really get it. Now, don't be discouraged with that because I know enough to live exactly as I need to with rest and joy and peace, fullness of the spirit till I get to heaven. I know enough. The Bible makes some pretty fantastic claims, doesn't it? A God who's always existed creates a universe out of nothing. It stretches the imagination. All of the miracles in the Old and New Testaments challenged the accepted scientific norms. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about why you can trust the truthfulness of the Bible and by extension, God. You'll hear where the writer of Hebrews talks about the evidences for God showing that he's real and that he can be known by humans. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 4 as he begins a new message called The Living Word. chapter 4. We have a lot of really good things to go through the book of Hebrews. How many of you here have ever had any kind of surgery? Let me see your hand. Oh my goodness, man. Praise God. Sick people, aren't we? All right. (laughs) Picture of our world. Well, here's something new. Maybe you've seen it. It's spanking brand new. Lynn Masterson had her gallbladder removed recently through her mouth, a promising technique for patients who can't tolerate an abdominal incision. There's new surgery now that's happening. Can you imagine going through your mouth with all the surgical tools and getting the gallbladder out and coming out there? How many want to definitely be asleep when that happens? (laughs) Hey, man, are you kidding me? Do you know tonight we're going to talk about surgery? It's a different kind of surgery. It doesn't go through the mouth. It goes through the ears and then into the heart. It's a great one. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Notice the first word, for. When you see this for, it's almost like a therefore. It relates back to what we just learned. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. 
Now, four goes back to the very thing we learned from the writer of Hebrews was all about rest. Entering in to all that God has for us. That's what rest is. And it includes his peace. We learn very much the confidence of our salvation. We can be at rest. We can never do enough. Once we've followed Christ, believed, repented, we can be at rest. And then, of course, we have abundant life here. The overflowing life. It's not the life of false prosperity that we hear about, but it's a life of richness. He provides everything we need and, of course, then a future home. You don't need to copy these down, but since it relates to where we're going, remember, we looked at three things of entering God's rest. Number one, we have to hear the good news. Well, that's the word of God. Well, notice our verse says, for the word of God is this, because what we learn, what is the word of God like? Well, number one, we have to hear the word of God if we're going to have God's rest. Number two, you're going to have to believe it. Well, how do I believe it? Well, faith comes from hearing. Hearing what? The word of God again. And then we enter into faith, enter by faith, into the rest. We have to believe it. We practice it. We put the word of God into action in our lives. Now, when you think about that, well, how do we enter God's rest? How do we know what God has for us? How do we mix the word of God with faith? Where do we get faith to enter God's rest? What do we do about all the wrong beliefs that you have? I have the unbelief, the legalism, the pride, like I don't need God. What do we do with worry? How do we handle all those things? Well, if we didn't have the word of God, we would not handle them. Every single one of us would just kind of do our own deal. If I would say to you, what is salvation? Salvation from what? Well, you're a sinner. How do you know you're a sinner? Well, duh. No, you can't use Bible. How do you know you're a sinner? Where is there a God? How did this all start? We have no answers. So we have all the answers. It's the living word of God. We have everything we need. So once I understand that, there's something very important for us. This next statement. God's truth, the word of God, it frees me and it frees you to number one, rest. And number two, simply enjoy life. God's with me. I can relax. It's going to be fine. God's going to take care of me. We know that because of all the promises that God gives us. So as we study, as we meditate, as we believe, as we obey the word of God, all of these things just fall into place so I can live in God's rest and have everything he's promised for me. Now, I'm going to go through a little bit of technical things right from the start. It's not very in-depth. It's not the purpose of this study. That's more of a private Bible study. But I'm going to go a little bit in depth. Follow me as I go through. First thing you need to write down is the Bible is the word of God and not the word of man. Notice 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. No prophecy never had its origin in the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. D.T. Young writes it like this. So the text rightly understood 
asserts that scripture is not human in its ultimate origin. It is God's interpretation. It is never man's interpretation. We often hear statements concerning scripture such as David's opinion, Paul's opinion, Peter's opinion. Today we might even hear the Pope's opinion, my opinion. Yet strictly speaking, we have no man's opinion in these holy scriptures. It is all God's interpretation of things. No prophecy of scripture represents an individual's interpretation. Men spoke as they were simply moved by the Holy Spirit. We just read you that. The manuscript evidence for the Bible is many times greater than any ancient writing. For example, take Caesar's first century account of the Gallic Wars. Without his writings, historians would have no record of these wars. There would be no record at all. However, Caesar's original writings are no longer in existence. Only ten complete copies of them remain, and they were written in A.D. 900 to 950. Even so, everywhere that we study Caesar, these documents are taught as historical fact. Well, the Bible, on the other hand, doesn't have 10 copies. The Bible, on the other hand, has more than 14,000 Old Testament manuscripts, many of which date back to 400 B.C., not A.D., and there are over 5,300 manuscripts of the New Testament with nearly 800 of them written before 1,000 A.D., But what does the world say? You have no proof of any kind of historical reliability of the Word of God. And yet these same people have no problem with Caesar and those ten manuscripts or copies that remain. So it's important for you to understand today that we believe this Bible is divinely inspired. Now I'm going to use some words You can just write them down. If you can't get it all now, you can get it later. But it's important for you to at least have a concept of what we're talking about. Number one, the Bible has verbal inspiration. What do we mean by that? That means each word, each word is inspired, not just the thought. Each word is inspired, not just the thought. In other words, the words, as originally penned by these 40 or more human writers, were one thing. They were God-breathed. God didn't give this general outline, few basic ideas, and then he said to Isaiah, okay, come up with your own deal here. Whatever you wish, kind of just fill in the blanks. Here's kind of the outline. Go for it. No, the very words they wrote were given by the Holy Spirit. And of course, as Calvary Chapel folks, we study the Bible verse by verse and word by word because that brings the truth and the richness of the exact meaning of these words. Second, plenary inspiration. That means the entire Bible is equally God-given from Genesis through Revelation, plenary. One of the things that we used to use as a proof of this, well, it did have truth, but it really only applied partially. 
Second Timothy, all scriptures inspired. All scriptures inspired. Well, when was that written? It was written at a time when basically, mostly, all we had was the Old Testament. But notice this verse, written later, that gives us the same exact truth about the New Testament. First Thessalonians 2.13 says this. You can just write it down. First Thessalonians 2.13. And we also thank God continually, Paul writing, because when you received the word of God that Paul was teaching there in Thessalonians, when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the very word of God, which is at work in you that believe. So plenary, the entire Bible, from Genesis through Revelation, is inspired, God-given. And last, inerrant. The Word of God is totally without error. In doctrine, in history, in science, chronological, all the other aspects, it's without error. Now, if it was filled with error, if only some of it was true, who would make those decisions? You will have many people that will say to you, well, I believe in God and I believe in the Bible, but I don't believe in all the Bible. Now think about that. What part don't you believe in? What are you going to do with it? Who, why don't you believe in that verse? Typically what you usually find, the reason they don't believe in it, because they're doing something that God said don't do. Or they can't figure it out. Well, hello, we're people. We're not God. You'll never figure it out. If you have this answer, come up to me after this service and I'll talk to you for a while. Then we're going to lay hands on you. But do you understand this in the beginning, God? The only way you understand it is by faith. How can you believe there's been a God who's always been? That's impossible to understand. Here's another one. Three in one. The Trinity. Oh, I've got that down, Pastor Mark. Right. No, but we believe it because the Bible, what? Teaches it. So, we see through a glass, what? Darkly. But one day, face to face, it'll all be revealed. We'll get it. We'll have an understanding that we can really get it. Now, don't be discouraged with that. Because I know enough to live exactly as I need to with rest and joy and peace, fullness of the Spirit, till I get to heaven. I know enough. And you're going to see that very clearly and plainly as we go through this now. So the Word of God is true, can be trusted in absolutely every aspect of your life. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God is flawless. Psalms 119, your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heaven. So we're back at Hebrews 4.12. Take a look at this. For the word of God is living and active. What does that mean? The word is living because it has life in it. It is God-breathed. It is the mind of God on paper. That's what the Word of God is. As you open it, as we're studying it, it's simply God's mind on paper. Now, often we'll hear someone say they just got done reading this really powerful new book on management or some kind of a novel that's very powerful. Well, that's true. could be wonderful. But the Bible is much more. It's not a collection of man's ideas. It is the actual words of God. 
There's a lot of people, when I say it's living, when the writer says it's living, it's living and it's living today, right now. There's a lot of people that have an idea that when you open this Bible, that it's filled with kind of moral fables, endless lists of do and don'ts, many of them outdated. They don't believe it's relevant. Well, that's absolutely not true. It was living then. It's living in Paul's day. It's living in Jesus' day. It's living in my day. You know what's really encouraging to me as a father and a grandfather? When my grandchildren need truth, it's living still. See, it's the living Word of God. It's living. Now, maybe sometimes you'll hear somebody say this. Well, that pastor or that teacher in the Sunday school makes the Word of God come alive. Well, not really, because it's already what? It's already alive. Now, this can happen. A pastor or a teacher can make the Word of God very boring. Ever been there? Yeah, and so what he or she's done a disservice to God because it's already alive, but they killed it. So we don't want to be boring. We want to make sure that the word is always alive. Second, it's active. That word means powerful, not weak. It's energetic, productive, effective. One of the things that I think is so exciting, it doesn't matter who's in this pulpit or really... Many other people were going through a series with Adrian Rogers, who used to be a, he's gone to heaven now, but he was a tremendous pastor of a Baptist church in Memphis, and that used to be on Merritt Island. When we moved here, he was there. We're going through a series, and we were listening to him talk to pastors, and as he was doing that, I mean, the words just, I mean, it was anointed. We were all, we were basically all crying in the room, and God was speaking to us, and it was moving at us, and it, it was energetic. It was effective. It was productive. And it didn't have to do with, you had a label of your name. He was teaching the very word of God. Now, you know this is true in 1 Corinthians 3. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. You see, I can't make the word grow. I mean, I could make it so boring that you wouldn't even want to listen to the word of God. But really, by itself, the word of God is active. It's incredible. So all we do is flow with what the Spirit's doing. Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Anyone that teaches the Word of God knows this. It's not us. It's never about us. It's about the Word of God. It's already active. It's already living. It's ready to do its work. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose. Each one will be recorded according to his own labor. Now, you and I never know as we plant the word, you've experienced this. As you plant the word on a neighbor, somebody at work, we need to be going sharing the word around the world. As we do that, we never know what's going to come from that. Sometimes we're very surprised that somebody came to the Lord because of that witness. I had a session not long ago with a young couple doing one of the premarital sessions, and the individual said, somebody used to invite me to church or whatever, and I'd go once in a while to this little Bible study. And, of course, then eventually, somehow they found their way here, and they got saved, both of them, and they're going through the premarital. It's going to be wonderful. They're going to be married, and they love the Lord. And he went back to that individual and said, 
you know, from those little Bible studies that you invited me to that I went to sometimes. You know how that is. Well, what happened during those Bible studies? The seed of the Word of God got where? Got down inside. You say, well, it just laid there. Oh, that's okay. Because it's still what? Tell me. It's alive. Some of you are discouraged because you planted seed in people. It hasn't come. Remember, you can't make it come. You water it. You pray for it. Water it with your tears. Remember? Weepers, water it with your tears. Guess what? God will make it grow. Don't be discouraged. You never know what God's going to do in that people come to the Lord. Now, as a pastor, and I don't have this very often because I've learned over the years to trust God, but early on, I could get discouraged. There'd be, and sometimes you're discouraged because, well, not too many people came to the Lord, but that's not my doing at all. It's just God's doing. I was talking to Pastor Dean today, just so you know, he was so excited about this. Last Saturday night, I did the altar call, and I felt like I needed to change it on Sunday, so I changed it. Both services Sunday, we had all kinds of people saved in both services, first and second. Saturday night, didn't seem like anybody really felt like coming to the Lord. That's okay. We had one girl that came. Praise God. Amen? One. That's good. Dean said, we had two people come to the Lord on Saturday night at Vieira. So what's this? I got all these people, and you got two, and I get... What? No, I'm just joking. See, because it's not of who? It's not a man. It's of God. I remember very early on, I was teaching. That's when we were in BCC school in an auditorium. Because we couldn't be at the Hilton because it was Mom's Day or something, and they kicked us out. We had to go to BCC. And I remember teaching, and I was teaching, and I loved the word, got through with it. Maybe, boy, I don't remember, 100, 150 people. And I just bowed my head and I said, if you need to accept the Lord, just come forward. And just bowed my head. I looked up, seven or nine people were standing in front of me. It was very moving. And one person had been listening to God, Malcolm, for years. Well, God had planted the seed. And here he came that morning. You see, I say that to give you this verse, to encourage you. Understand, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It says this, Isaiah 55. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. See, if you look humanly, you go, well, these are many people got saved, or it looked like people were moved or excited. I never know what God's doing. I just have to be faithful Anybody that preaches, anybody that teaches in a class, many of you, I remember teaching many a Sunday school class, and you go, well, that went right over the kids' heads, or that never went anywhere. Nobody was paying attention. And next week they come back, and they're quoting the verse for you and whatever. Just shocks you, doesn't it? See, the Word of God doesn't return void. We can really be satisfied in the power of that Word. Pastor Mark's lesson today was about the Bible, God's Word. He talked about why you need to know what God has to say to you, which is so that you'll know how to navigate through life. You were reminded of the failures you experienced by trying to run your life your own way. He told you that because God loves you, He gave you a guidebook for living. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue this message, The Living Word. He'll talk about how the Bible has been relevant throughout the generations. No matter the changes in customs, technology, whatever, the Bible, God's Word, has an answer to the critical questions that people have. You'll start to hear words that tell you about the characteristics of the Bible. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.